yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The LSU women's basketball team remains undefeated. After last night's 76-68 victory over Tennessee. Kim Mulkey's squad improves to 21 and 0 on the season. What do we make of this team? They get tested yet again, which is great. And this is always good for a program like this. They were tested a little bit earlier in the season or in particular earlier in SEC play by Arkansas. Last night was even more so. Sellout crowd. They set a new attendance record inside the PMAC. The whiteout game. It's against Tennessee, a good Tennessee team. Now, this isn't the classic Pat Summit Tennessee teams, but this is still a very good Tennessee Lady Volunteers team. And this was back and forth early on. LSU led only 10 to 8 at the first media timeout. LSU had a trio of players get in on the action, including Angel Reese, Johnson, and Williams. Both teams ended the first quarter, combining for nine more points in the final four minutes. The Tigers led 15 to 12 at the break. The Tigers shot 44% in the first quarter with Tennessee shooting just 31%. And the second quarter was much like the first. As the Tigers and Volunteers shared blow after blow, but kept things incredibly close. But the Lady Tigers finally came to life in the second half. Outscoring Tennessee 14-5 to start the third. That allowed them to take a 48-34 lead at the 450 mark. And Alexis Morris continued to lead the way for LSU with 18 points. Tennessee, though, did close out the quarter on a 6-0 run, including two technical free throws after a technical was called to close the gap to 50-47 with 10 minutes left in the contest. Angel Reese, though, as she's done all season, the Maryland transfer, stepped up to get her 21st straight double-double with 10 points and 13 rebounds through three quarters. Morse and Reese continued to lead the Tigers to begin the fourth, holding a 64-52 lead 
with five minutes to go at that time. Morris, who had her struggles early in the season, was up to 27 points, while Reese had a tremendous sequence in this game. Steal, basket, and the foul, followed by a made free throw. She is so good. I mean, she should be in the conversation for National Player of the Year. Now, the Volunteers did not go away. 16 points in the final stretch, but it wasn't enough. LSU was able to hold on for a 76-68 to victory over the Lady Vols inside the PMAC. 15,157 was the number of folks that filled into the PMAC. It's the largest crowd in its new configuration to ever watch an SEC matchup. Set a new attendance record. The men's basketball team isn't very good. The women's, they're great. They're great. And when you can get 15,000-plus to come out to watch a game on a Monday night in January, you know you got your program headed in the right direction. Watching it, if I was there, it probably would have felt like it did back in the day when Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles were there and Pokey Chapman was coaching them. They're starting to feel that way. It's starting to be that buzz on campus about the LSU women's basketball team. And they get a win. Once again, they have mowed down the competition, especially in non-conference play and for most of the conference play. Now, they had their hands full against Texas, I mean, against Arkansas, rather. Now, last night against Tennessee, they get tested again. They have to dig deep again. That's good. They're going to need that if they want to go down to Columbia, South Carolina, and and take down the Gamecocks. The other perennial powerhouse team in the conference, a team that many believe can win another national championship. A Final Four contender just like LSU. The SEC has not one but two teams that look like national title contenders or at minimum Final Four teams. And then there's a huge drop-off. Like, there's South Carolina, LSU, and then there's everyone else. And Tennessee would be on that second tier. The difference between the two, those two teams and everyone else, is fairly significant. But the Tigers get the job done. Angel Reese continues to be an absolute force of nature. She can't be stopped. They try to game plan against her. Doesn't matter. She's got a double-double in every game she's played. Like, just, just think about that. Even if you're not the biggest women's basketball fan, think about the fact that LSU has a player that records a double-double every single time she gets on the court. 
they've played 21 games. <laughs> every time. Every time. Home, away, doesn't matter. Every time. And what's that allowed Kim Mulkey to do with this team? It's allowed her to have these other players develop. Remember, Morris started off the season a little banged up and struggled. Well, she has definitely found her shot again. She has found herself. And now she's looking like she's one of the top four players on this team again. That's a huge advantage. Because as great as Angel Reese is, and she is phenomenal, player of the year type of performer, you're going to need more than just one. You're going to need more than just one to be able to make a deep postseason run and reach the final four in Dallas-Fort Worth and play for a national championship. The fact that they got 31 points last night from Alexis Morris, great indicator. And they get contributions from not only Morris and Reese. They just do. Williams, Johnson, also are routinely players that step up for this team. But they seem balanced. They seem they have depth. Also, they have the best player maybe in the country. And they have a Hall of Fame coach. Make no bones about how much of a difference Kim Mulkey makes on this program. This program was a dumpster fire when she took over. Automatically turned it into a winner. Second round of the NCAA Women's Tournament last year. This year, undefeated. Ranked in the top three. Look like a Final Four team at least, if not a national championship team. Matters. That's the Kilmoki difference. She's the one that was able to get Angel Reese to decide to transfer from Maryland to come play for her at LSU. Angel Reese was already an All-American at another school. Now she's at LSU. This has to do with Kim Mulkey. This has to do with the fact that these girls, these young women rather, have bought into what Kim wants, what Kim demands. And it's paying off. Now, will they win the national championship? I have no idea. I'd love to see how they match up against UConn or how they're going to play against South Carolina, the defending national champs. And also led by a really great competitive coach that makes all the difference in the world. And those two coaches don't necessarily like each other. So I'm going to be interesting to see how LSU handles going down to Columbia. We're going to find out a lot more about Kim Mulkey's team. Because once again, the schedule really hasn't lend itself to finding out just how good they are. We know they're really good. Can they be a national title team? They seem to have the potential. Have they faced anyone as good as South Carolina when they're going to face them off in a couple weeks? No. And those are the type of teams that you have to beat if you're going to win a national title. In women's basketball, you're going to have to get through the likes of South Carolina, Stanford, Notre Dame, UConn. 
those are usually your heavy hitters. So if LSU wants to win a national title, they're going to have to go through one of those teams. That's without a doubt. That leads us to our poll question of the day. An impressive win last night, once again in front of a record-setting crowd of 15,157. Sets a new attendance record for the PMAC. The LSU Tigers take down Tennessee 76-68. to They will return to action on Thursday night when they face UGA. That'll be inside the PMAC. Tip-off is set for 7 o'clock, and of course you can hear that game live right here on the game. Our poll question of the day on this slightly foggy Tuesday morning is, what is the ceiling for this LSU women's basketball team? Is it an Elite Eight appearance? Is it the Final Four? Is it as national championship runner-up? Or is it as national champs? Right now, 79% of you say national champs. 14% say championship runner-up. 7% say Final Four and 0% so far for Elite Eight. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day, and we'll continue to share your comments throughout today's edition of RP3 and Company right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, first of all, compliment the fans goodness gracious i don't think i saw an empty seat now i didn't look long but when i walked out i was like "Ooh, these people are standing somebody get up and give that older woman a seat uh it was everything that young people need to experience in college and uh thank you to all the people who made that happen uh, i thought it was a, a game of um that was good for the SEC women's basketball. It was good for women's basketball, period. Um, I thought there were things that um, a lot of people still have question marks about us, and we're good with that. We had those question marks. We still have them today, but that's that just feeds our hunger. You just played a team that's played every good team out there this year. I don't know who they have not played. They should be ranked in the top 25. That's the best offensive rebounding team we have played this year by far. LSU women's coach Kim Mulkey talking about her team's win over Tennessee. That's a quality Tennessee team. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team, maybe even a Sweet 16 team. Corey Diaz, who covers the LSU women for the Daily Advertiser, mentioned as much on Twitter last night. We'll see. If Tennessee can be a Sweet 16 team, maybe. But it is definitely the best team LSU's played so far. By the way, LSU improves to 21-0 overall on the season. 9-0 in conference play. Tennessee was previously unbeaten 
unbeaten in conference play. They dropped to eight and one. Ole Miss is at seven and two, and then there's a drop off. Alabama five and four. Arkansas four and five. Mississippi State four and five. Georgia, who comes to the PMAC on Thursday night, four and five as well. LSU, South Carolina, they're both 21 and 0, and they're both 9 and 0 in conference play. <laughs> oh, man. I, if only that game was not in Columbia, South Carolina. If LSU goes down to Dawn Staley's house and gets a win, just that is going to be a salty type of game, let me tell you. That's going to be an epic contest. I can't wait for that game. We have to wait a little while. It's in the middle of February, but, man, that's going to be a dandy. And both of those teams more than likely will be undefeated heading into that game. So you're going to have a top three matchup of undefeated SEC teams. One's the defending national champs between two programs led by coaches who don't necessarily like one another. Yeah, that's going to be blockbuster. That may even get itself elevated to the non-ESPN station, you know, the one that doesn't have a number in it. Maybe. Maybe. I just, that is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And look, they had their hands full last night. Tennessee came to play. They didn't care about the 15,000-plus That set a new attendance record. They didn't care about the whiteout game. They didn't care that Angel Reese is out there getting a double-double. Tennessee came to play. And LSU had to fight and battle for this win. And Kim Mulkey talked about her team's fight in last night's victory. You know, Flage just is a true freshman that just guarded a first-round kid. That's big. That's big for our growth. That's big for our team how much respect we have. In fact, there's two kids out there for Tennessee that'll be first rounders. I thought putting Angel on Jackson uh, was not a concern about talent. The concern was Jackson doesn't go inside. She stays on the perimeter. So Angel was gonna have to defend on the perimeter, which does what? Takes her away from the basket rebounding. And I thought we made a point to her in uh, the locker room, hey, you, you, a shot goes up. You can't stay out there anymore. You got to come help us. They're long. They're taller. They're they're taller. Their length is much bigger than we are. But I just thought we we really battled, particularly in the second half. They did, and they battled, and they were pushed. And Angel Reese, who got herself another record-breaking double-double, she extends her own program record she's already surpassed Sylvia Fowles for most consecutive double doubles all time in LSU women's basketball history you know she admitted afterwards it wasn't easy and you know she had to do everything she could out there against Tennessee not to get in foul trouble the first half they played me well um they were really really aggressive with me and then when I got that first foul it kind of I don't want to get that second because I have to I would have to sit so I tried to just play cool and, and keep it keep, do whatever I could I mean not to get that second foul and try to grow up from that I mean last year and I would have I probably would have got that second foul and had to sit so I think that's growth for me um being <coughs> in the second half I tried to just come out there and do what I could um be aggressive I know my teammates needed me so I had to do whatever I could to, to get the win It's a a veteran player that understands 
what the opposition was doing, right? She picks up the early foul, Dawson, and she knows, okay, this is going to be their game plan. They're going to try to put me in spots. They're going to try to make it difficult for me. They're going to try, try to take away my physicality to put me in foul trouble because that's their game plan. And they're going to try to use their length. And Kim talked about it. Tennessee has more length, right? They have players with longer, bigger wingspans than LSU does. But the veteran player, once again, this is why she's in the conversation for National Player of the Year, understood that and had the, you know, had the smarts to go, okay, I'm going to adjust my game just a little bit and not let them suck me into getting into foul trouble. Yeah, I thought she did a great job. And overall, I think it was a game where LSU kind of needed a game like this, right, to be tested because they haven't been tested a ton. I heard kind of Kim Mulkey talking about the scheduling and, I think people think that's so easy, and they go, whoa, why didn't you play better teams? Well, and she kind of talked about they didn't know they were going to be this good. You know, they didn't know in the offseason they were going to have as much talent in some of the transfers that came in. Um, But I felt like they needed Tennessee to battle back the way they did and kind of give them a little bit of adversity because they haven't had a ton of that. We talked about the South Carolina matchup, and I think for this team, it's almost like a really low-risk situation to go to Columbia, and I think it's going to be helpful for them because – you're not really risking anything. If you lose the game, they're the number one team in the country. You're not going to drop you know, too far. So. And defending national champs. Right. So you're not affecting your seeding or anything, but you go down there, you have a chance to, and, and look, I'm not saying they're not going to go in expecting to win the game, but you're going to go down, find out a lot about your team, and if you lose this game, you're probably going to get another shot at them at some point down the line. So I think they have a lot to gain and not that much to lose. And that game's coming up Sunday, February 12th. It's a one o'clock tip, number three LSU, number one South Carolina. Now LSU has Georgia at home on Thursday, and then they're on the road at Texas A&M on Sunday, and then they have the week off. They have that weird thing in the scheduling where they'll have a week to prepare for South Carolina. We could very well see both of these teams be undefeated. First of all, the only two teams left undefeated in women's basketball is South Carolina and LSU. They're on a collision course, not only for this regular season battle, Dawson, but more than likely the SEC tournament, depending on how the coaches want to play the tournament. That's the other part of that. Kim Mulkey will not be afraid to rest starters and maybe not put a priority for the SEC tournament if she's focused on keeping her team healthy for the NCAA tournament. Which, remember, that she kind of did that last year. So... But even if they don't, even if it doesn't go LSU's way on February the 12th, because South Carolina's the defending national champs, they're undefeated, you're going to their house, it's going to get loud, it's going to be an electric atmosphere. Having that road game against elite competition can only help them get better prepared for the NCAA tournament to make a run, because last year's team was not prepared for that, because they didn't face off against great competition and they were a little bit inflated. And when they got to the tournament, they got caught sleeping. Boom. Got knocked out in the second round. At home. So, they'll have that on their mind. But it sure does feel like these two teams are on a collision course for at least meeting in the Final Four. Yeah, and, and look, that's not to say either one of these teams can't get beat along the way. It Obviously, Correct. that happens. And Correct. there's more parity now in women's college basketball than there ever has been. We've seen more and more upsets. But... It is a sport where the top typically 
goes all the way. You know, we've seen UConn make these incredible runs and they don't often get upset. So that's another interesting thing to see. It's not, you know, quite the same thing as like football per se, where you can come in with completely different game plans, but it will be interesting to see how these teams match up this first time, knowing that a lot less is on the line than what potentially is going to be on the line later. And, you know, if we get to see this three times, how different is each matchup? That's what I'll be interested to see. And when you look at the other teams, you know, yes, LSU, South Carolina are the only teams that are undefeated. South Carolina is receiving all the first place votes in the latest poll, right? But Stanford sits there as the number two team. They're 21 and two. Indiana's four at 20 and one. UConn is 20 and two. Iowa 17 and four. Utah 18 and two. Maryland 17. Maryland lost Angel Reese, and they're still the eighth best team in the country, by the way. <laughs> so the Terps are no are, are no pushover. Notre Dame always good traditional program for women's basketball. They're nine in Ohio State, who has had a skid here. They've lost three straight. The the Buckeyes, you know, they were previously the number two team in the country, and so you have a ton of quality teams. That's just the top ten. So feeling like LSU is going to easily make it to a Final Four. Your point about parity, you know, do I think the ceiling for this team is a national championship? Yes. They have a player that's in the discussion for national player of the year. They have a Hall of Fame coach. And they have other players that have stepped up in a big way. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be like the non-conference schedule. It's not even going to be like a lot of the SEC schedule. They're going to have their hands full. So if this team loses in the Elite Eight, I wouldn't be that surprised by it because of the depth and parity of women's basketball right now. And if you're going to have a knock on LSU, again, it's not necessarily their fault with the way the scheduling is done and created, but they haven't been tested the way UConn's played, you know, five or six top ten teams already. Um, and because so, that's because that's what Gino does. Right, right. And, and that's a program that's further along in its development, so the scheduling Correct. is in a different place, and they were able to go out and play the, those teams. So. That's one thing that LSU going into the tournament, look, they are, yeah, they're going to play South Carolina once, maybe twice, but they're not going to have the, you know, a team like UConn or a team like some of those yep. other teams at the top, Stanford, has played in a bunch of games of that level. Uh, you wonder if this LSU team, find, you know, needs to find how to win really close games against great teams. They haven't done that yet. They'll get a chance, though, in Columbia. And if they get seated a, a certain way, they'll be able to have favorable matchups through essentially the Sweet 16. But they may start finding real trepidation, you know, uh, real challenges rather in the Elite Eight Final Four because then you're going to be playing the likes of UConn, Maryland, Notre Dame, Stanford. So LSU women get the win last night against Tennessee. Leads us to our poll question of the day. What do you believe the ceiling is for for Kim Mulkey's team this year? Go vote Elite Eight, Final Four, championship runner-up, or national champions. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll shift gears. We'll talk about the Super Bowl 57, early thoughts about the championship game for pro football. Dalton and I will chop it up about that. That's coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Super Bowl 57, Glendale, Arizona at State Farm Stadium. Saw an interesting graphic yesterday, which made me laugh. Wins inside State Farm Stadium this season. Eagles won. Chiefs won. Cardinals won. (laughs) And apparently Arizona is the, the last contender for the services of Sean Payton. We'll get to that later as well because I have some thoughts. But Super Bowl 57 is now set. Kansas City trying to win their second Super Bowl title in five years. Remember the last time they were there, they got crushed by Tampa Bay in its front seven, made Patrick Mahomes feel very bad for many, many days. Eagles... Jalen Hurts, Sanders, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. Man, they got some dogs, and they got a great defense as well. Plenty of star power. Great storylines. Kelsey versus Kelsey. Brother versus brother. Andy Reid versus his former team. Chiefs trying to get back on track having this kind of great run make it more like a dynasty if they win a second Super Bowl title in five years the Eagles trying to win another title first Super Bowl matchup between two African-American quarterbacks which is significant so lots of great storylines about this game And it seems like an evenly matched contest off the bat. Now, we still have time in between now and the game. Once again, it'll be a week from Sunday. You give an extra week for Patrick Mahomes to get healthy, Travis Kelsey to get healthy. The Eagles get another week to game plan. Because once again, we haven't seen all that Philly has to bring to the table, have we? They really didn't need to show us all of their offense in the win against the Giants. That was easy for them. That game was over at halftime. And they crushed the 49ers. Once again, the Eagles advanced to the Super Bowl with their quarterback throwing for 120 yards and no touchdowns in a conference title game. Think about that. So this is an intriguing matchup for me. I feel like it's a coin flip game. Early betting line is Eagles are favored by two. Both teams are familiar with the facility because they both won games there this year. By the way, the only game the Cardinals won inside their home stadium, State Farm Stadium there in Glendale, Arizona, was against the New Orleans Saints. (laughs) Just like to point that out. That's the only game they actually won at home was against the Saints, of course. 
but this feels like a coin flip game. I just look, I don't have a rooting interest in this ball game. My team is not in the Super Bowl. I will be rooting against Philadelphia because my team is in their division and I never root for a team in my division. I still don't root for the Cardinals because they used to be in my division. So I never root for the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants. I don't even root for the Cardinals back in the day when they were St. Louis and still in my division. So I'm not rooting for Philly. I'm rooting for a good game. I just want to be entertained. Riri's going to be doing the halftime show. Got Chris Stapleton doing the national anthem, I do believe. It's going to be a good time. I just want to be entertained. Let's head out to the game hotline. Good morning. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, uh, RP3, how you doing? How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. It's very foggy out. I'm on my way to Lockport, but uh, I- I'm like you. I don't have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl. Uh, I-, I think it has the- all the signs for a really good Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. But um, first of all, I want to see uh, how's Triple D doing. Oh, Is Triple D. Triple D, how are you doing? He's asking, how are you doing? I don't know who he's referring to. <laughs> the more you he fight it. Dog. That's what I'm referring to. You had me say it. So I was going to stick with Triple D. But now, here we go. Here we go, he says. Here we go. He's doing fine, bud. He's doing fine. He's, he's hitting the ground sure. running. So he's been, he was trained well by Hannah Five Names. He's in... Uh, He's already on some group texts, and he's uh, he's dishing out stuff when uh, you know people are getting out of line on the group texts for with, with the station. So he's fitting right in here, man. Good. Well, let me let me uh, say this: uh, you were talking about uh, Kim Mulkey and uh, the possibility of national championship and all that stuff. I tell you what: if it's not this year, she's going to have multiple national championships with LSU. I'm just telling you. Uh, we're we're I think we're about the same age. I watched her in college when she was playing for Louisiana Tech. And let me tell you something. This woman, she was five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing pounds, and everybody on the court and in the the the, the stadium or the 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 gym knew who was the big dog, and that was Kim Mulkey. She was the general above all generals. This woman was phenomenal. She's won at every level. Didn't she win like two championships at Baylor? Two or three? Three. Three. So, if not this year, which they have a really good chance to, she will bring multiple championships to LSU. She's that good. She's that competitive. And she will get her girls where she needs to be. I mean, I have no qualms about that. I agree with you, brother. I really do. Hey. Appreciate the phone call. You be safe out there. I know it's still foggy out on the roads throughout Acadiana, man. Just be careful. All right. Y'all have a good one. You too, brother. Look, Mulkey has that dog in her, as they like to say. And she was always the fiercest competitor on her own team. And she was part of the Louisiana Tech dynasty of the late 70s and early 80s with Leon Barmore as the head coach. Right? Once again, she probably should have been the Louisiana Tech coach, but that was a misstep by the, the 
the administration up there. That's a story for another day. And instead, she goes to Baylor and turns them into a national powerhouse, and Louisiana Tech can't even make the tournament these days. Not great. Not great. But Super Bowl 57, coin flip game for me. And obviously, we're going to talk far more about it in the matchups and what's the X factor and, you know, what are the keys to the game. And we'll do all that leading up to the game. But the more I think about it, I think this is going to be a, a wildly entertaining game. At least that's what I hope. That That's what I always hope for the final game of the season for the NFL to be a good game. My team hasn't been in that game in a generation. <laughs> so I never have a rooting interest in the game, not since I was a child. That said, I just want an entertaining game. I want a good quality game to watch on Super Bowl Sunday. That's it. I want the game to be as good as the halftime performance. And most of the time, that's a lot to ask. So we'll see. Got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll update that poll question of the day, and we'll get to your comments next. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. What is the ceiling for this LSU women's basketball team? Undefeated 21-0. The only other team that's undefeated in women's basketball is number one ranked and defending national champion South Carolina. Those two teams will duke it out on February the 12th in Columbia, South Carolina. What is the ceiling after last night's hard-fought win against a very good Tennessee Volunteers team? Right now, 58% of you say the ceiling is national championship. 32% say final four. 10% say national championship runner-up. No votes for the Elite Eight. Let's get to some comments. JPK, the OD, says founding member of the Scott Woodward Appreciation Society chiming in here. They're going all the way. Hashtag coaching matters. Ralph on Twitter says, Natty and Mulkey, we trust. She won three at Baylor, and she knows the process. Got the biggest pair of uh, blue eyes on any LSU coach and on Team Gordon so she can get it done. John Paul says, RP3, I got to say, we all miss Hannah Five Names, Voice in the Morning, but I'm liking the trend of these poll questions coming up before 545 each morning. Good job, new guy. <laughs> so that's that's a compliment, Dawson. Yeah, no, we're all good with that. It's just I might have set the bar too high because I don't know if I'll keep up the uh, the rate. Of- <laughs> well, you're setting a standard, so uh, you're setting a standard. 
It's too early in the morning for shade, says Ton. But John Paul says, just because you tell one person they did a good job doesn't mean you're throwing shade at another. Besides, new guy don't even have his radio name yet. At RP3 Sports, you need to work on that. You're right, I do. My apologies. I need to be better. <laughs> John Paul says, maybe not the championship game this year, but it's like Coach says over and over again, it's a growth process, and we're seeing the birth of LSU women's basketball dynasty could river or even surpass UConn's legacy. Ton says, the way they're playing, I could see a national championship. Seriously, they're playing better and better. I see growth and improvement from game to game. And when an undefeated team continues to improve instead of rest on its success, championship is definitely a possibility. Once again, I think this is a Sweet 16 team. I think this is an Elite 8 team. Once they get to that point, though, you're going to have to start facing the likes of UConn, Maryland, Notre Dame, Stanford to make it to the Final Four. Once again, the Final Four, it would be great. It's right there in Dallas-Fort Worth. That's where it's at this year for the women. How awesome would that be to have LSU back in the Final Four? Put another banner up in the rafters of the PMAC and maybe add one that says national champion on it? Ooh. Could happen. Could happen. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Coming up, our number two, Bob Marlin. Is there a hotter team right now in men's basketball in the state of Louisiana than the Louisiana Raging Cajuns? Probably not. Great come from behind win. We'll talk about that and look ahead to this week's slate of games, including a tremendous matchup against Marshall on Saturday when Bob Marlin joins us next hour. That's all coming up right here. On RP3 and Company on the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Angel Reese and Alexis Morris lead LSU the third-ranked Lady Tigers, to a win 76-68 over the Tennessee Lady Volunteers last night inside the PMAC. They set a new attendance record inside the PMAC, which is a Monday night women's basketball game sets a new attendance mark. 15,157 fans packed into the whiteout game there for LSU-Tennessee. That's impressive just by itself. It was standing room only, essentially, in the PMAC last night. And rightfully so. This team is now 21-0 on the season. They're the third-ranked team in the country. They look like a Final Four contender. By the way, the women's Final Four will be in nearby Dallas-Fort Worth this year. And this team has greatness written all over it. Legendary coach, Hall of Fame coach, national championship as a player, as an assistant coach, and then went on to win three national titles as the head coach of the Baylor Lady Bears. 
Now she's trying to bring a national championship, the first one in program history, to LSU. They got Final Four banners hanging up in the PMAC. Don't have a national championship banner for the women. Kim Mulkey's trying to change that. After last year being a great season, her first season, a great turnaround, they got upset in the second round at home nonetheless. They go out. They get Angel Reese, an All-American from Maryland, to transfer in. Alexis Morris, after some early season struggles when she was banged up, she's found her groove as she scored 31 points on 11-23 shooting and six rebounds and two assists in last night's win. They're getting contributions from other players. They're not the biggest team, right? They're not. Tennessee... Had players last night that were taller, bigger, larger wingspan. But they find a way. And they've been tested a few times in SEC play, once by Arkansas. And now last night by Tennessee. Sure does feel like it's all headed towards an absolute monster matchup on February the 12th. A week from Sunday. Which will be Super Bowl Sunday by the way. Super Bowl Sunday. Before the big game, there'll be LSU women's basketball more than likely undefeated LSU versus undefeated South Carolina. Now, each team has two games left before that matchup in Columbia on Super Bowl Sunday. Two Great coaches, two national championship coaches. Whew, man, that'll be a lot, a nice little teaser appetizer on Super Bowl Sunday, won't it? If these two teams are 23-0, and battling it out, regular season SEC title will be on the line. No one else is really going to come close. You can make the argument, maybe Tennessee, but I, I LSU's already beat them. I would like South Carolina's chances to beat Tennessee. So really, on February 12th, you're looking for the SEC title to be on the line. Regular season title and the number one overall seed for the conference tournament. That's what I would anticipate. And then they could face off again in the SEC tournament if they value that. If we go into SEC tournament, And last year is because Kim wanted to keep her players healthy enough for the NCAA tournament. But if we go into the SEC tournament and LSU and South Carolina are both projected to be one seeds, does the SEC tournament even matter? I I think that's a legitimate question we're going to have to ask ourselves. I know both coaches are very competitive and they would love to have an SEC tournament. But both coaches are looking past an SEC tournament, right? But both of them, the aspirations are, that's great. If we win the conference tournament, that's great. But you know what? If we don't win the conference tournament, Dawson, that means my team gets a couple extra days rest for the gauntlet that will be the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, there's not a lot on the line as far as seeding and stuff. I'm sure at this point, I mean, Maybe, depending on what happens, LSU's playing to get back on the one line as opposed to the two line. That's really the only thing you could see. 
But where it does matter to me is, like I said, they just haven't played that many teams that are as good as South Carolina. So for Kim Mulkey and her team, I, I would imagine you want to have as much experience in those types of games as you can. Now, it might be out of their control because even if they go out and want to play their full squad, if South Carolina chooses not to, then there's not much they can do. But I do think you don't, you know, given the schedule, the way it worked out, South Carolina might not care quite as much or, or might not want to have that game. But if you're LSU, I think you want as many games against elite competition as you can before the tournament. And now you look at the schedule, right? South Carolina actually has three games. They don't have the weird portion of their schedule. So they're going to host Kentucky on Thursday. Okay. Then they have to go on Sunday to take on number five ranked UConn. And they have to do so in Hartford, Connecticut. That's a 1-5 matchup. Dawn Staley and Geno. So South Carolina is going to face off against the number five team in the country on February 5th, play at Auburn on the 9th, and then host the number three team in the country on Super Bowl Sunday. Man. Now, multiple things could happen here, right? South Carolina could trip up because they have to go to Hartford to play that game but they're not going to fall too far in the rankings. But we could have a situation if South Carolina beats, if South Carolina trips up and loses to UConn on this coming Sunday, LSU could go into Columbia as the higher ranked team, which makes that even juicier. Right, because then South Carolina is going to want to get back on track against a top five opponent. But what if South Carolina beats UConn at UConn? Then the game's even going to have even more buzz because then it's going to be two undefeated teams. And if LSU can take down South Carolina, then you can make an argument that LSU's the best team in the country. Right? Because they took down the defending national champs on the road. By the way, the South Carolina UConn women's basketball game is going to be on Fox. Not FS1. <laughs> Fox. Telling you, women's basketball, and I am correct, the South Carolina LSU women's game on Super Bowl Sunday will be carried by ESPN. And then I'm looking. South Carolina still has to play Tennessee. They haven't played Tennessee yet. That'll happen on Thursday, February 23rd. So South Carolina still has to play at UConn, host number three LSU, and play at Tennessee the next to last game of the regular season. So Gamecocks, they still have some games left on their schedule that are going to be absolutely challenging and, you know, they played far tougher competition. You look at their schedule, their non-conference schedule. They beat number 17 Maryland at the time. Maryland's now in the top 10, by the way. Beat them 81 to 56. They also went to Stanford, the number two ranked team in the country, 
and beat them in overtime 76-71. <laughs> so they've already beaten Maryland. They've already beaten Stanford. They've already beaten a very good top 25 ranked UCLA team. They're the defending national champs. And they still got to uh, go and play at UConn on Sunday and then host LSU. It's going to be blockbuster. It's going to be absolutely blockbuster. Let's head out to the game hotline, which is 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Jamie is patiently waiting, wants to talk about the poll question of the day. What you got, brother? Hey, good morning, Mr. Third. How y'all doing? I'm talking to you, man. How could my Tuesday get any better? Uh, not having to put up with me. <laughs> uh, I'm not your wife, bud. <laughs> so, so. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but she made the choice to marry me. So who's the moron of that relationship? <laughs> yeah, we start off with Jamie calling his wife a moron. It can only get better. <laughs> yeah, thank God she doesn't listen in the morning. <laughs> So, um, how's, uh, how's, uh, Dawson Ice doing? Icy eyes are low. Okay, I'll stop. Icy eyes are low. We will get around to letting you guys help us select a nickname. Okay, so that's going to happen later in the week. So, just to let you know, you know, we got some (laughs) recommendations. You know, we do know that Dawson's dad used to go by the nickname Iceman. Play on his last name, but he gave it up, and he's willing to pass that down to Dawson. So I, I think that may seem like the natural radio nickname for Dawson is Iceman. It just it seems to make a lot of sense to me. But Mr. Isolo, I promise that's the last time I'm going to throw out random nicknames. <laughs> Although Iceman wasn't that the nemesis of Maverick and Top Gun. Anyway, nemesis um, turned ally. And someone that becomes a close friend, as we notice in Top Gun Maverick. But continue. Oh, that's true. That's true. So uh, I wanted to go in on the poll question. And, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Dawson pointed out that, you know, South Carolina might be resting players come that time if they really feel like it. Man, I don't know. Those coaches don't like each other. I think it would be nothing more satisfying than to play your starters and get that win. Or... Nothing more devastating to play your starters and get that loss. And uh, I, I got to admit, LSU's women's team, just they look so good and have played so well. And uh, I think the ceiling is a national championship. Um, and, and, you know, even if they don't win the championship this year, I, I agree with the previous caller, man. It's coming. Kim Mulkey is a beast and in a good way. I mean, she is just fantastic. And uh, much respect, even though she went to Tech, much respect to uh, Coach Mulkey and all that she's done uh, as an assistant, as a player, and as a head coach. So, LSU fans, be patient. It's coming. And it might be this season. It might be next season or down the road, but it's coming. Jamie, appreciate the phone call, brother. Thank you for your time, bud. Be safe out there. Y'all have a great day. Y'all have a great day. Yeah, look. We're going to know a lot more about LSU and what they're capable of with that trip to South Carolina. Uh, look, I, I, just, I just set off what their non-conference schedule is. South Carolina, the defending national champs, have taken down Maryland, UCLA, 
right? They're going to play UConn. They've already beaten Stanford, Maryland, UCLA. They play UConn on Sunday. This is a battle-tested team, far more than LSU. So we're going to find out how good LSU is. If they go into Columbia and get housed, I don't think the sky's falling, but it's just going to show you how much more work Kim Mulkey has to do to get to L- get LSU to where South Carolina's at. South Carolina right, right now is the best program in the country. They are the standard. LSU wants to be the standard. Getting there and getting confidence and making a deep run to the Elite Eight or the Final Four this year would be a great step. But if they go into Columbia and they get pushed around, it's also going to open up the discussion of she may need to schedule some of these marquee non-conference games to get her team better prepared for a postseason run. That's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Great season, undefeated, not taking anything away. But if they get pushed around by South Carolina or they get an uh, early exit from the NCAA tournament, maybe needing to change that non-conference philosophy that she's implemented for two seasons at LSU and maybe embrace more with what South Carolina, UConn, and others do where it's iron sharpens iron. Just going to throw that out there. Coming up next, Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. station. The hottest men's basketball team in the state of Louisiana resides right here in Lafayette. As the Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's team has improved to 18-4 and overall. They've won eight in a row. They're now 8-2 and in the Sunbelt Conference atop the standings after a great come-from-behind victory over the weekend at the Cajun Dome. And to tell us all about it is the man in charge of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Longtime head coach Bob Marlin joins us now on RP3 and Company. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Uh, great, Raymond. It's good. it's a good morning. It was great to see you last week. Well, appreciate you making the time as always, Coach. So I got to ask, brother, uh, what did you tell your guys at halftime down by 19 to Georgia Southern because they came out playing like their hair was on fire in the second half as you guys got that 94-87 to victory? We just regrouped, Raymond. We talked. Uh, we challenged some guys and, and told them this isn't what we're about. Uh, give Georgia Southern credit. They're a 30% shooting team from three. They shoot, what, six of nine the first half. And 
made made 20 of 29 field goals. They stepped up and just shot shot the ball great. And we've had that happen to us in the past, even a year ago. That happened against South Alabama two years ago. I'm sorry, and they were unable to. Uh, we were unable to win the game. We just couldn't stop a hot team. We lost by three. So uh, it was good to have a comeback and uh, and play the way we did the second half. But we just made some adjustments. We challenged them. The guys went out and did it. You know. I see you guys there in person on Thursday. You don't have, you know, your leading scorer, the preseason conference player of the year, and yet your team went right out there and led wire to wire. You talk a lot about this team's chemistry and how it's one of the more impressive ones that you've seen at your time at UL, but what makes this team special, Coach? Is Because it, it just feels like if one guy is off, whether they're out sick or they're just having a bad night, you don't not only have one guy to pick up the slack, it seems like you have two, three, sometimes even four guys that are willing to do it and go out there and actually do it. That's a good situation for us, Raymond, because we've got good depth and we are able to play different guys and, and the guys just step up, as you said. they We've got a good team. We, we've felt all year long like we've got eight guys that could start for us. Um, and with Jordan out the other night, you've you got a situation where we're losing 20 points per game. Uh, you know, and Kobe Julian stepped up, an all-conference player last year, preseason conference pick, second-team pick this year, uh, had his best game and stepped up. And so we were excited about that. But everyone played well, and, and they all take ownership in it. So many of these guys – developed from last year to this year it kind of give us a peek behind the curtain a little bit obviously they have to be the ones to put in the work they have to be the ones dedicated to improving themselves taking the coaching and everything like that but what did you guys work on during the off season to really have these guys step up and develop as overall basketball players coach well we spent a lot of time with them and we we got those guys in the gym, and they got themselves in the gym a, a lot. You know, we've got a new staff this year and uh, brought in Donovan Cates from Alabama and then Casey Perrin from University of Texas. And those two guys have really been great with, with our guys. They've helped impact our team, and a lot of it is just spending time and working out with the guys. So, uh the guys have done the work, as you said, Raymond. They got in and made it happen, and then you know everything was going good. We go to Puerto Rico, and you could just see it building. And I knew if we got off to a good start, that we'd have a chance to have a really good team. What does it say about your team that you started off conference play with two losses on the road? It's always tough to start off conference play on the road, and then to start off over the holiday break is always tricky, right? Because of the way school is structured and the holidays. And yet, your team has responded by winning eight straight games. What does that say about your team? It says that we've got some grit, and we know that we've got a good team. We came back and, and had the lead in the Coastal game, the first game, that we lose by one point. Uh, and we let them score 12 consecutive times down the stretch, and five of those times are by free throws. So we knew that uh, we, we let one go, and then – Old Dominion just came out and punched us in the mouth in the first half. It was similar to the Georgia Southern game in reverse role. And we got it down to two 
with two minutes to go, Raymond, from being 24 down and couldn't couldn't hang on and lost by four. So you got two. Our first two games, we're five five points away or six points away, I guess you'd say, with an extra point uh, to to be 10 and 0. But our guys just put their head down, got back to the work. You know, we've told them for years it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems, and they stay locked in the present with their two feet right there in the cage. No. We're talking with Bob Marlin, longtime Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, you got two really good matchups this week at the Cajun Dome. You're going to be playing Texas State for the second time. You went into San Marcos and were able to get a 60-51 to win on the road. You're going to be facing the Bobcats Thursday night. Tip, of course, is set for 730. Uh, what can you tell us about Texas State after already playing them once before? What do you expect to see Thursday night? They've got a really good team. They're the two-time defending champs. Uh, Percentage-wise, they didn't play as many games uh, over the last two years as any other conference member, but they still won the games they played. And they'll come in with a chip on their shoulder. Of course, we beat them in the conference uh, quarterfinals last year convincingly and uh, were able to win the game over there where we didn't shoot the ball well. Raymond, we missed too many free throws. Uh, did not shoot the ball well from the field, but were able to hang on and and find a way to win. So we expect a great game from Texas State. They're well coached. They're good defensively. And uh, they've got a great player in Mason Harrell. And then come Saturday, Marshall, one of the better teams in the conference as well. You know, they suffered a, a tough loss last week in double overtime to ULM, who is a very good and scrappy team in their own right. What do you expect to see from the Thundering Herd Saturday night, which will be senior night, and uh, expect a huge crowd Saturday night as well? What do you expect from Marshall? Marshall's a very talented offensive team. They have three guards, um, two of them 6'4", the other one's about 6'1". He's like Control Garnett. Those three guards are all outstanding players. Kenzie, one of them, leads the league in scoring ahead of Jordan Brown uh, by like a point a game. Uh, and they've got a seven-footer inside and a six-eight guy. They've got a good group that that starts for them, and they got a couple of guys off the bench. So, but they're a high-scoring team. They want to get up and down the floor. They're they're a really good offensive team, and they they pose a problem for us. Coach, the crowds have been pretty good this season, and starting to see an uptick and fans are getting loud they're getting excited we saw it last week with both games expect nice crowds this week as well what it, what does it mean for your team the, those young men when they get to come out onto the floor and in a conference game and, and get to hear the crowd behind them get to get to see the fans in the stands I know it shouldn't matter but but it does when you get that type of support so, so what does it mean for your your, your guys well, that they get to experience uh, college level basketball game at, at its highest, and when the fans come in and and they support us, we've had great support over the years, and uh, you know there's a lot going on. There's always a lot going on at this time, Raymond, as we know, with Mardi Gras and different events happening in Lafayette. So it's important uh, for our guys to see people up there, and more importantly, get excited. I thought the whole second half against Georgia Southern.
Southern on Saturday, our group was into it. And once we started that comeback, they fueled us in a big, big way. So I, I think the, the players really appreciate it. And, uh, well, I know they do. I don't think. I know they do. It's always about the team with you, Coach, over the years, as many conversations we've had. But uh, I'd be remiss if I don't point out that, you know, last week, uh, you became the second winningest coach in program history. Uh, wh- what does that mean to you to be able to have that level of success with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns? Well, it, it's a nice honor. Uh, it shows that we're durable and consistent. We've done a really good job over over time, and we've had great assistant coaches, and the players have been fantastic. And I've coached so many great young men here, um, and – that's that's the main thing, you know. We've accomplished a lot here, Raymond. We're trying to hang another banner, uh, and and probably the biggest thing to me at this moment was uh, I spent a lot of time with Coach Shipley my first year here, and uh, very special to me. And I wore the red jacket the other night for him, and uh, so from that standpoint, it's nice to be right under a, a legend in Raging Cajun basketball history. Coach, appreciate your time as always. Good luck this week with Texas State on Thursday and Marshall on Saturday night. I'll see you out there, brother. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Raymond. Have a great day. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Don't! Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the New Orleans Pelicans as a top four seed in the Western Conference, that they were the number one slotted team in the Western Conference. And then Zion got hurt yet again. (laughs) And this team has been on the struggle bus ever since. Even with Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram back in the fold, this is a team that has, well, let's just be honest, they've struggled. They're 26 and 25 overall. They get to go play at Denver tonight, the best team in the Western Conference with the two-time league MVP. 26 and 25, and they can't seem to figure things out. They're on a losing skid. They've lost now, what, eight straight games? Not optimal. Lost eight straight. Think like 13 of 14 is where they're at right now. 
and they got to figure things out. And they got to figure things out in a hurry. I understand the season is long. I get that. I really do. I understand on Sunday they took on the Milwaukee Bucks and the best player in the NBA, who is Giannis, and he scored 50 points in only 30 minutes. And even with Zion on the court, they have no one that's on that level. If some of you have tried to tell me that Zion is that guy, I've had friends that are telling oh, Zion's pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I need more than two years and a four-year career to show me if Zion's on the level of league MVP, world champion Giannis. Okay? That, that's just me. I need more proof that he can be that guy. He showed me glimpses earlier this season before he got injured. He started to ascend to being a man. Before, he always played like a young kid. Definitely last year was rough on him. He took it to heart, trimmed down, bulked up, got more focused, more determined. And, of course, his body says, oh, there'll be none of that. Injured hamstring. And I get it that you played Giannis on Sunday, but they lost to the Wizards. They've lost to the Timberwolves. They lost to Miami, Orlando, Miami again, Cleveland. Their lone win in this awful stretch since the beginning of January this is what the Pelicans have done loss win against the Rockets who are the worst team in the league loss loss win against the Wizards loss win against Detroit their last win was January 13th so since the beginning of January this team has won a grand total of count at one, two, three games. And that was against the Rockets, the Wizards, and the Pistons. They haven't beaten a quality opponent. They have not beaten a quality opponent, and they've lost eight in a row heading into tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. They got B.I., they got her back. They're still waiting on Zion. More than likely, it'll be the all-star break, if not after. And they've fallen all the way down to eighth in the Western Conference. And yes, there's not that much difference between the number three seed and the number 10 seed. It's completely wide open. There's like three or three and a half games difference. I get that. But this team has, for the most part, played like a donkey for the month of January. And I get injuries play a role, but you got to figure it out. And they got to start figuring it out in a hurry. Tonight against Denver would be great. <laughs> but Denver's the best team in the West. So we'll see what happens. Let's head out to the game hotline, which is, by the way, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Randy's been patiently waiting. Randy, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there with the foggy, misty conditions today. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, I, I'm trying to be safe. I've been driving through it, heading towards Lake Charles all morning. So, uh, well, I, I was going to talk to you about the Pelicans even before you started. Okay, I, I called you a while back and I told you I had stopped watching the NBA many years ago because I can't stand the the three point game where one guy ball hogs and scores all the points for a team and. And how Zion had made me a fan again. And I was watching the Pelicans, and I, I got the Valley app and all that stuff. And 
here's the thing. I, I've watched them once in the last three weeks, and that was Saturday. Against the and, Wizards. Uh, against the Wizards. And they're just unwatchable right now. When Zion first got that hamstring injury, it took them a little while. They were still playing pretty much their game. They were able to beat the the teams that were 500 or less. They were using Valanchunas, Larry Nance, their other big guys off the bench. But they've abandoned that. It's like they go to this five-wide offense. They, they throw nothing but threes, which they're just not very good at. And you can pretty much call it turnovers because they throw a brick. There's nobody there to even try to rebound on the offensive side. And, and they go from there. And, you know, they scored 110 points against Milwaukee and still got crushed. Yeah. And you have to look at that and go, you can, if you can score 110 points and get crushed, you're turning the ball over too much. And it may not be an official turnover, but when you go down three out of four times and throw a brick from the arch and you have nobody there to rebound, that's pretty much a turnover. Yeah, and, you, uh, and I, uh, Randy, Randy. the valley yeah. app until Zion comes back. Randy, you're exactly correct. Uh, an empty possession down the court, especially a bad one with a bad shot, is just as bad as a turnover. It's the same thing. Yeah, and they're just not – They the Pelicans don't have a three-point shooter who's going to get, you know, the 50% night. It just doesn't happen. They, they're they lucky to shoot 30 35% on any given night when they score 100 points. But very often, you look at the box score, they're at 27 28%. But they keep doing it. They throw up over and over again. It's horrible. I agree, brother. I appreciate the phone call. Randy, be safe out there today, bud. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you, Raymond. Good morning. Let's go back out to the hotline. Paul is patiently waiting. Paul, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there, out there with yeah. the weather conditions, my friend. What's on your mind, bud? Oh, likewise. Thank you. Uh, man, you know, I, I love your take on about these pellies, what you're saying. But, um, you know, I, I support them in the playoffs, but not season. But I'm not wishing them too well this year. No, not because of Pelly fans I know. So I hope they lose tonight. Now, <laughs> the man, the man says I'm Pelly. not going to support them because of the Pelican fans. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like because, that. Yeah, they're acting like Cowgirl fans. <laughs> so, and, and they always, you know, people always talking trash about my Knicks, even though we're two-time champs. But um, this is my point, what I'm calling about. Now, I've heard all the ridicule about my Knicks and the Pellies, number one, they did. They, they already rolled them off like the Bills winning the championship this year. And when you look at everything, the record and everything, um, my Knicks looking better than the Pellies. We number seven and number eight. I never saw a team go from where they started at the Pelicans and go to number one and drop to number eight so fast. They're about to be out the playoffs in standards. No injury do play a part, a whole lot going on, like you said. You see, I'm embracing this glorious moment of my Knicks being over the pelly. For everybody that calls in and say what they say bad about my Knicks, we not good, <laughs> we ain't done nothing. But your pellies have not done nothing yet. There it is. You know what I mean? I, it's fair, it's fair Paul. It's fair. Nah. Look, your Knicks so look I, like I, a, a very good playoff team. Well-coached team that looks like they could make yeah. some noise in the playoffs. The Right now, the Pelicans yeah. are trending I, downward. Exactly. I'm not saying, and I never said we win in the championship. I just want to make the playoffs. We are star way like LeBron, something like that, coming to our team. We just stay between the fifth and eighth seed. We make the playoffs. When I think any team that can do that in any sport, 
sooner or later, other players gravitate to saying that organization is trying to win so you can get players to come and support. That's what I look at. Now, there's a Laker fan. I know he's listening, Ronnie. Them them fakers play my Knicks tonight. Me and him have a bet about who who has – we have a bet about which team will have the best record at the end. So I say we can bet on this game tonight or we can rephrase this bet that um, there's a movie called 80s Brady. You ever saw this new coming out? I know he's not a Brady fan. Yeah, the, so the, the movie off- with the uh, the elderly ladies that love Tom Brady. Yeah, so, so my <laughs> offer is if I win, I want him to watch that movie. <laughs> All right, I want Paul. him to watch that movie. He got to come and say – he, he can't do the clips and say he saw the clips. He got to come tell us, hey, he got to give us something about that. He watched that movie. Nah, if I lose, he got to say what he offered. All right, bud. I'm a, I'm a, I'll right, support your bet. I got to let you go, brother. Go Nick! <laughs> yes, the Pelicans have lost 11 of 15 in the month of January. Eight straight. <sighs> Ali Cassell will join us at 8.30 today to put a positive spin on the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll see what Ali has to say as they take on the best team in the Western Conference tonight. Once again, without Zion Williamson because he's out with a hamstring injury. That'll be coming up. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Ralph brings up a great point on Twitter. The losing skid has begun for the Pelicans, and they've been on the struggle bus ever since King Cake season and the return of the King Cake baby. Just throwing it out there. Coincidence? Coincidence? Maybe not. Poll question of the day. What is the ceiling for this LSU women's basketball team right now? 56% of you say national championship. 31% say final four. 9% say championship runner-up. And 4% of you say elite eight. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments as well and Facebook and Twitter, and we'll share them throughout today's show. Coming up, final hour on deck. Ali Cassell will join us at 830 to talk all things New Orleans Pelicans. But first up, the man who hosts the McNeese Coaches Show, the man who covers the Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press, Jim Gazzola. That's right, Jimmy G from L.C., We'll be joining us to talk all things Cowboys to kick off our number three. That's coming up all right here on RP3 and Company on the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Coming up half an hour from right now, Ali Cassell from the Bird Rights will join us to talk with all things Pelicans. Also, don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's the ceiling for this year's LSU women's basketball team? They win a hard-fought game last night against Tennessee. 
Inside the PMAC, they set a new attendance record of 15,000-plus to pull it off. They do that. But what's the ceiling? Is it a national championship? Is it a Final Four appearance? Is it an Elite Eight appearance? Go vote on that. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. But right now, we're going to talk McNeese basketball. We're also going to look ahead to National Signing Day. What is Gary Goff going to do for the traditional period? Is he going to add any more players on Wednesday, tomorrow? And hey, you know what? Softball season begins a week from Friday. And then baseball the week after that. To discuss it all is the man who covers the Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also the host of Poke Nation and the host of the McNeese Coaches Show, which you can listen to every Wednesday right here on the game. It's our good friend, Jimmy G from LC himself, the great one, Jim Gazzolo. Jim, good morning, brother. How are you? It's gloomy here in the Chuck. Is it gloomy because gloomy. of the state of the – Is it gloomy because of weather or is it gloomy because of the state of the McNeese men's basketball program? A little bit of both, I would imagine. A little bit of both. <laughs> All right. So, look, there, there, there's there's no way of sugarcoating this. This is a bad no, team. Not. Right? This is – this is a bad team. They're 5 and 17. They're 2 and 7 in conference play. They've lost 7 in a row and the latest one was a setback, an 83 to 72 loss at Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Saturday. Before that was a game that you said was a must win and that was a 70 to 65 loss to Incarnate Word on Thursday. <sighs> Can they turn this thing around? Can they? I guess the goal is to make the conference tournament. Right now, they're the 10th team in the standings. The only the top eight get in, and they're at 10. Is that the goal for John Aiken and his team is just to get to the conference tournament? Right now, yeah. And maybe win a game in it. Um, <clears throat> they did win a game last year in it from the seventh seed. So I, it, it's hard for me to see them getting in because all we've seen since the first of the year, they won one game since the first of the year. One that's, game. That's it. That's it. That was Joe that's Dumars it. day. Uh, Joe Dumars day where they came out very strong. Um, other than that, they become predictable. We've seen the same story too many times to where they're in games and then just lose it at the end. Different ways of doing it. Um, lost from behind, lost from ahead. In the seven games, they've led at halftime in five of them. So can they play with teams? Yeah. Can they win down the stretch? I don't think so because we now have more than half a year to see it. And when you look at the schedule, for them to even think about getting into the conference tournament, which is going to be held there at the Legacy Center, their home court, they have to beat Lamar yeah. on Thursday because that's the other team on the struggle bus in the standings is their arrival the from across the border, bus. right? So that has to happen. And look, they've had success against Lamar this season, as you've already stated. They beat them 81-62 to on New Year's Eve. And then before then, in a game that did not count for conference standings was the McNeese MTE tournament that they hosted. They beat them 66-57. to Thursday's a must win, but this Lamar team they're going to face on Thursday is a different one than they faced back on New Year's Eve, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a player, a, play, a couple of players back. It's got, uh, it's playing better. Um, 
the, the, the things that concern you is they have two wins on the road. They're going to have to win a game somewhere on the road to get in the tournament. Are they capable? Is New Orleans, because New Orleans is just a game ahead of them, is that who they catch? Because Incarnate Word looks like they just beat Nichols. It looks like they're going to get in. Houston Christian looks like they're going to get in. You, you ha- you're down to like four games, really. The two at New Orleans, Incarnate Word, and Thursday at Lamar. You can't give any of those games away because you start losing tiebreakers if you win. If you beat Lamar, you've moved to the ninth spot, but you hold the tiebreaker. So th- those are things you got to look at. But that that's bare minimum for where this program expected to be, and I don't I don't know if that's good enough moving forward just to make this tournament. Well, it may not be good moving forward for the program for the the following seasons. But when I look at their schedule, Lamar, and then they have not one but two tilts with UNO, and that regular yeah. season finale, Jim inside the Legacy Center on March the 1st could determine whether or not they make the conference tournament because UNO is having a bad season themselves, right? They're down. They're only the eighth seed right now. They're three and six in conference play, six and 14 overall. Uh, They have a very good coach, but they are not a good program this year. So when I look at McNeese's schedule, yeah, they got Lamar, which is going to be important. They have to win that game on Thursday, because yeah. they have to still play Texas A&M Commerce on the road. They still play Southeastern. But they get twice. UNO twice on the road and at home, and they still get Incarnate Word again as well, So they're go- and Houston Christian. So when I look at their schedule, Lamar, Incarnate Word, UNO twice, and then Houston Christian once more, they're probably going to have to win three of those four games to get into the conference tournament. I, I would think that's about right. Um, starting Thursday night, I think Thursday night is pivotal because of that tiebreak. And uh, I agree. I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't. I haven't seen enough improvement to where I'm confident they're going to win games down the stretch. We've just seen, you know, that we've just seen what happens, and, and this is this is the problem of. You, we never developed a go-to guy. We saw it when they played Incarnate Word. They had a go-to guy they had ceased. We saw it when they played Nichols. They had a go-to guy. It was Huffman. We saw it when they played um, Northwestern State. They had a go-to guy in black. What McNeese does not have is a go-to guy. Four times in the game, um, the last game here against Houston Christian, Four times they had a chance to take the lead down the stretch. They went to four different guys, and none of them could produce. That means me, they don't have a guy. And if you don't have a guy in this league, it is hard to get. I mean, look look at when they played Nichols. Huffman had 12 of the last 14 points for Nichols. He knew he was getting the ball. McNeese doesn't have that. And I thought early in the season that I was going to be Christian Shoemate, but it doesn't seem like the offense feeds him the ball enough. And I'm I'm not saying that just to be critical. It just seems like he's their most talented player, most athletically gifted guy, and he can get to the basket. It just doesn't seem late in games that they get him the ball enough to let him create something. Yeah. Right. So 
I, I think that's something they got to figure out. Once again, McNeese men, they're on a seven-game skid. They're 2-7 and seven in Southland Conference play. Right now, they're ranked 10th in the standings. Only the top eight get into the conference tournament, which is being held at the Legacy Center. They can start trying to get on track to ensure they get into their own conference tournament by beating Lamar on Thursday night. 7.30 will be the tip there in Lake Charles at the Legacy Center. Jim, let's shift gears to football. Gary Goff signed a slew of kids and got some transfers to come in during the early signing period back in December. The traditional signing period is going to be tomorrow, Wednesday. What can we expect Gary Goff to do to finish off his recruiting class for the 2023 cycle? He'll name a couple of people that that, that have joined. Uh, I'm expecting Nico Johnson to be the big name, the uh, 6'5 wide receiver out of uh, Dallas Carter, who committed last week verbally. If he signs, that puts him at 26 for the year. Uh, That's all of his scholarships. I think he'll name a couple of uh, preferred walk-ons that will probably show up. Um, But really, we're going to be talking about the guys that are already here, the six team that are already on campus and the 10 freshmen that are coming with them. There is a good balance to this group, and I think we're going to talk about a lot about Nick Glantz. Is he the quarterback? Um, but I, there's going to be no real surprise because all their heavy lifting was back done in December. Now, the biggest news of all is last year where you and I witnessed spring ball with about 45 healthy bodies <laughs> – Correct. Um, and, and three defensive backs. There's 92 players that are healthy that are going to take care uh, part, are expected to participate in spring ball starting uh, March 8th. It's going to be an actual football team. Yeah, and, and their spring game, unlike that thing we saw last year where they had to kind of hodge together how to score and all that for defense because they didn't have enough kids, it will be an actual ones against twos game. So uh, there's, it'll be a full spring for the first time since 2019 for McNeese. That's exciting. And really, you need the numbers to be able to conduct the spring because Gary Goff had essentially one hand behind his back trying to yeah. piece together whatever he could with a, a limited roster. Let's switch over to softball and baseball. Lots of buzz about both of those programs heading into these seasons. They both had excellent years last year. The McNeese men fell short in the conference tournament championship round, losing to Southeastern uh, there at Joe Miller Park, but they still had a very good year. The softball team, meanwhile, punched its ticket to an NCAA regional and took down Notre Dame not once but twice in the Evanston Regional uh, what are the expectations for the softball team heading into this season, Jim? I, I think more of the same. I think it's it's uh, a very solid team. Um, pitching seems to be a little better this year. They seem to have three pitchers they can go to. Uh, he's moved some people around. Uh, I, I think that makes them more versatile if anything comes up with injuries and in that, which is what he's he's big on. He's uh, James Landry now is really big on playing very tough competition early and finding out where you're at. I think the interesting thing is D1 softball has them as the 42nd program in the country, so they're getting national attention there. And there was another poll last week that came out where McNeese, was in the, along with UL, was in the top 10 for mid-majors in softball. So that is they have built a brand, especially with the Notre Dame games, that expects to compete – 
not only win the conference, but now compete for a regional. They got to the regional final last year. Their next step is winning a regional, and, and they've said that. That's their goal. Um, but I think in order to do that, they really have to establish an ace. Everybody that wins the regional has that one ace pitcher that gets you through the tough games and being seated, not, not being seated in a three spot, but trying to get a two seed really is the key for them, I think. The McNeese softball team will open up with, of course, the Cowgirl Classic there at Joe Miller Field at Cowgirl Diamond. They'll be taking on Idaho State on Friday, February 10th, 5.30, first pitch, and then they'll play Texas Southern that night as well at 8 o'clock. The baseball team, man, it sure did feel like to me that they were going to win that conference tournament, especially the way it began, but credit Southeastern for rallying and winning the championship portion of the conference tournament and punching their ticket to the NCAA regionals. What do we expect from Justin Hill's squad for 2023? I think you're going to see a team that that can really hit the baseball. Um, the, the interesting thing for them, to me, has been always this. Trey Oberjean is their best hitter. He's been their best hitter the last three years, and he has not played a full season. Um, he gets one year back. He will be penciled in. Now, they lose a couple of players that are staples. You lose your shortstop, you lose your left fielder. Both of them played in over 200 games in their career. So you lose some stability. But offensively, you got Burkell at second. He's back. Um, Trey Oberjohn, this is a team that's going to hit the baseball. Can they get enough pitching? Can they keep their pitching healthy is the key to this season. And developing a third starter for that weekend series. We're back to we're now back to weekend series that are three games, not four, like we had a couple of years ago. Uh, more traditional way of playing it. I think that's developing a pitching staff is going to be his key because he does lose Cameron Foster, who was the big closer down the stretch. Um, they got to develop a closer, but that is if they can get a rotation going, they're going to be able to run the ball, or they're going to be able to run. They're going to be able to hit some power, and they're going to hit for average. They're going to run. They're going to score runs. McNeese opens up the season February seventeenth with a three-game series against Crichton there at Joe Miller Ballpark. Then they're on the road at Sam Houston, and then a three-game set at UT Arlington, which will be interesting. And then at home on a Tuesday night versus the Louisiana Raging Cajuns there at Joe Miller. That'll be a game that a certain morning show host will be in attendance for. Jim, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for making it, and I hope you have a tremendous McNeese Scotia show this week. Yes, uh, we have the the one and only Mr. Media, the athletic director, he's Sawyer, and he's going to be very honest about the disappointment and uh, of the men's basketball team. So he's very open about that, so we'll see where that goes. Thank this you, is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though. Wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice. 
in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. The Pellies. Right now, they're the Pelicans, not the Pelicans. They're on the struggle bus. They've lost 11 of 15. And I'm sorry, I take that back. (laughs) Let me recalculate that. I'm sorry, 12 of 15. In the month of January, the Pelicans have lost 12 of 15, eight straight, with their only wins against the Rockets, the Pistons, and the Wizards. No Zion. And defensively, they have had some lapses. Dawson, you're uh, a beaming right uh, light of sunshine. Tell me why we shouldn't be slightly concerned that the Pelicans are, you know, struggling. We should be concerned. Uh, but I, I would say, you know, you brought it up a little bit. The king cake baby, when you when you bring <laughs> something like that with that bad energy and the scariness of that into an arena and you still expect good things to happen, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, that thing strikes fear into the eyes of anyone who looks at it. And But that should be an advantage. That should be an advantage. I don't know. The King Cake Baby, by the way, I love the King Cake Baby because it's just so weird and ridiculous. That should be an advantage. You go out there like during warm-ups and you just have the King Cake Baby roll out there and just stare at the other team while they're doing their warm-ups. He just stands there. That should be what happens. I mean, do you remember when Pierre the Pelican was rolled out and they said he was too scary and they redesigned him? Why don't we keep the if we're gonna go creepy mascots, we need all aspects of our mascots to be in line. You mean when Pierre the Pelican looked like he was on meth? Yeah, that version. He was pretty scary. No, he just looked angry. He had an edge to him. <laughs> the Pelicans and their mascots are phenomenal. Look, it's a long season, right? It's about to be February. I, I get that, and. What was being used was, well, no B.I., no Zion, no Herb Jones. Well, they got two of those three guys back. And they're not playing much better. And their defense is what concerns me. They can score 110 points, even without Zion Williamson. But as one of the callers pointed out, they scored, what, 110, 115 against the Bucks on Sunday and got curb stomped. So is Zion going to be back, going to really fix their defensive issues? Because that's what my concern is, is that they're giving up a ton of points. A ton of points. Even if you get Zion back, is that defense all of a sudden going to be fixed? Eh, I don't think so. I don't know. I I understand that point, but also I kind of, uh, you know, Bob Marlin talks about this when people point out like UL's 
high points allowed. When you score a lot and you run a lot and you play fast pace, you're going to give up a lot of points. And I think early in the season, like points allowed isn't always your best metric of how well a team is playing defensively. And so if they get back to some of the things they were doing early in the season, they were just fine. So I, I understand that concern, but I, I'm overall just more worried about the guys who haven't played together getting back in a rhythm and if they're ever going to have a chance to do so because, of course, Zion just doesn't seem like he's going to be fully healthy ever. So that's my bigger concern. And the funny thing, too, is we talked about all the depth that they had, and they do. Like, they have good quality players. But I think we quickly found out that those guys, you know, I think there's a difference between having guys who can step up and start and carry you when you have guys out and guys that are good role players but only when they're in their roles. And so I think that's been an issue. Um, some of the guys like Alvarado, like, yeah, he can he can carry you at times with, you know, some of the ridiculous things he does defensively and kind of bringing energy. But some of those other guys that are good players and, you know, they're good to have on your roster, but they, they haven't been ready for the roles that they've been asked to do. And you need those guys back. And, and until they come back, now, again, like you said, now they have most of them back. So you should start to see things improve. But I brought this up on Foot Show the Western Conference is just there's not that many bad teams and you just don't get many layups night in and night out. Uh, correct. And, and that's the larger point of mine with the Pels. Yes, it's a long season. Yes, they'll get improved when Zion comes back. Uh, de- def- uh, defensively, they're in the middle of the pack. They're ranked 15th in points allowed. So they're, they're, they're a middle of the road team when it comes to defense. Here's the bigger issue. There's no pushovers in the Western Conference. Not this year. It's wide open. So unless your schedule is stacked with games against the Rockets, there's not going to be a soft part of the schedule, right? I mean, you look at the latest NBA standings and you go, okay, where do the Pelicans stand, right? Because the Western Conference is wide, wide, wide open, right? And there's only three games difference between the like the three seed and the ten seed. So right now, Nuggets are atop who the Pelicans have to play tonight. And then Memphis. And then there's a drop-off by like three and a half games. Sacramento, Clippers, Golden State, who, by the way, remember when Golden State was in trouble and the Warriors weren't very good and people were panicking that Golden State with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Jordan Poole coached by Steve Kerr that they weren't going to be able to figure it out? Well, here I stand on this glorious, foggy Tuesday morning, January 31st, Dawson, and who is the fifth best team in the Western Conference? It's the Golden State Warriors. Uh, So, (laughs) Mavericks, Suns, Phoenix has now won six of the uh, six and four in their last ten. They seemingly have kind of got their act together. The Pelicans lost eight straight, one and nine. They're all the way down to eight. Timberwolves and Jazz. Not to mention, if you're New Orleans, you can't even worry. You can't even sit there and go, well, Oklahoma City, Portland, and Los Angeles, those are wins. Because the Lakers are playing improved basketball. The Trailblazers are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The Thunder are 6-4 and four in their last 10. So, there's no... Unless you're playing the Spurs and the Rockets all the time, there's no soft games on the schedule. They're going to have to battle it out. They're going to have to grind it out. And the way the Western Conference is, as it stands right now, the Pills could be as good as the fourth seed or the three seed, 
or they could be the 10th seed. They could be in the playing tournament. That's yeah, where they and are. So I would say my biggest concern would just be staying out of the playing tournament because, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk to Ollie about some of these scenarios coming up. But, like, what you mentioned about Golden State, the, the West is weird. There's two teams that have separated themselves as far as how they've played and results, and that's Denver and Memphis. But then you have teams like Golden State and Phoenix that we know are going to be there come playoff time and are going to be ready. veteran guys on their team, you know what they can do. Yes. Right. And so if you're the Pelicans, as bad as it is that you've dropped as many spots in the standings, I don't think any of it's going to matter that much as long as you're in the top six because you could end up being the, like the third seed in the West could have to play Golden State or Phoenix in the first round. So it's like as being the third seed, yeah, you'll have one extra home game in that series, but is that going to be... Like, you could be the four seed and match up against a team like Dallas, which would probably be, you know, teams would rather play, potentially, like, given on what happens. So my whole point is, like, since it's so jumbled up and there's teams that are really good and proven that are all throughout it, I don't really care what seed you are as long as you're one through six and you avoid that play-in tournament. I agree with you. It, it, I think the step, the natural progression for this team is last year was a play-in tournament. This year should be one of the top six seeds. You and I are in agreement there. Gloriousness! Dawson and I agree. We'll see if Ollie agrees with us as well when Ollie Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights, joins us next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Whether he's naturally this way or maybe he's this way because he's a dog lover or whatever the reason may be, maybe it's some sort of medication. Our next guest is a man who finds the silver lining in things, and he's had to do so plenty of times on this show, talking New Orleans Pelicans basketball with me, and I'm sure he's going to bring a silver lining to today's conversation as well. Our good friend from the Bird Rights, Ollie Cassell, joins us now. Ollie, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Raymond. I'm feeling better. I, I enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm, I'm going to open it up. This team has been dreadful in the month of January. They've lost 12 of 15 games. They've lost eight straight. And their only wins are against the woeful Rockets, who are tanking, the Detroit Pistons, and the Washington Wizards, yet you are going to tell me to remain optimistic about the Pels. The floor is yours. A couple of weeks ago, I said that storm clouds were coming, and a lot of people got angry, right? When Zion went down with his hamstring injury, I was worried that (laughs) something like this might happen. Well, now I actually think that the reverse may be coming close to happening, right? The uh, Pelicans, the defense, it's been playing really well since the game against Orlando. 
That's been about a stretch of five or six games. Not counting, of course, Giannis, right? Giannis's 50-point bomb that he dropped on the Pelicans. But everybody else, they've held pretty much well in check. The offense finally came around in that last game, and they scored 44 points in the uh, third quarter against the Bucks, which was the second-highest-scoring quarter for them this season. And the reason it's important is because these role players, I feel like, have been really struggling, right? We've seen enough from C.J. Jonas on most nights. Unless they're playing superhero, you got to get some help from the other guys. Now Brandon Ingram is back. I expect for him to play tonight. Same thing with C.J. Brandon's had a couple games to shake off the rust. C.J. won't be carrying the load as the number one. But more importantly, like I said, the role players. Trey Murphy hit four threes. Herb made two threes. These guys looked more energized, more um, focused. Just They looked more like the guys that we saw during, what, the first 35 games of the season. And then when you add, of course, Jose, I thought Jose was brilliant. He had to go up against Drew Holiday, and he held his own, uh, 18 points. So I feel like there's enough out there now to where they should be able to get back to, you know, scoring 120 points. And that's been the key for this team. If you don't have to worry about points, all you got to do is get enough stops. And that, like I said, was the motto for this team because they were a top 10 offensive and defensive team for the first, you know, half of the season. Everybody goes through peaks and valleys. I think they're about to return to playing more to where their talent lies. Brandon's back. I know Zion's not, but B.I. back. That's going to be huge. And we're going to start seeing it. And I think they could, they're going to grab a win, I feel like, tonight or against the Mavericks in a couple of days. Man's calling a win tonight against the best team in the Western Conference with the two-time league MVP in tow. I, I love the optimism. I, it's a double-edged sword for the Western Conference, though, right? Because I look at the standings, and I think Denver and Memphis have separated themselves, or they're starting to. But when you go from the three-seed Sacramento all the way down to the Lakers, who are at 13, Ollie, there's only a six-game difference, right? So... And Oklahoma City is playing better basketball. They're on the outside looking in right now at the 11 spot. Minnesota, Phoenix, Dallas, Golden State, who everyone thought the end was near. Well, there they are. They're above 500, and they look like they're playing good basketball. So on one hand, Ollie, that's good because it's wide open, right? And that means that the Pels aren't out of it. But the flip side of that is, it's wide open, and there's a lot of really good teams in the Western Conference, so there's no easy wins on the schedule. Right. Health is going to dictate everything. The Kings are an anomaly to me. They've, I think their entire rotation has missed a combined 27, 30 games, something like that. It's the crazy. Pelicans, they're over 170, right? And, and, and a, lot, a lot of the same can be said about the Clippers, the Warriors, right? Everybody that's surrounding the Pelicans right now, the Suns. So, yeah, for Pelicans, it's going to be completely the health. And, I, and I'll tell you what, Raymond, I'm not too worried about the Pelicans being, what are they, I think, an eighth or ninth sitting in the playing tournament right now? Correct, they're eighth. Here's another nice, yeah, okay. Here's another nice thing to remember. They've got the sixth easiest schedule coming in. So none of those, too many of those top teams, they're not going to have to face anymore because they've already handled a lot of these matchups, right? I think that matters for this team, too, because when they were kind of more at full strength, we saw them handle these guys, right? The, the mediocre teams to the poor teams. So everything's pointing to me back upwards, right? Right when I said to worry about this team because there are a lot of arrows pointing down. Well, now I feel like it's, like I said, it's flipped around. So, yeah, it's not good seeing an eight. There's no more cushion, right? 
But let's see how they do in these final eight games before the All-Star break. If they go four and four, I, th- I think that's going to be exactly what they kind of need, right? you got to land somewhere and then get ready to take off when Zion comes back. Before the start of the season, the expectations were this looks like, if healthy, a team that should be a top four seed in the West. Should we recalibrate the expectations as we get closer to the All-Star break and be like, look, last year this team dealt with injuries and they got into the play-in tournament. If they get Zion back, maybe the expectation should be a top six seed and avoid the play-in tournament. Should that be the new expectation? I think that's fair, but I'll tell you what, they're only a game behind, was it the Clippers, right, who are in fourth? Correct. So it's like they've got to make up a lot of ground to get back into the top four. And if the Kings, you know, if they suffer an injury here or there, you just don't know. But for the most part, you're right, because it's a coin flip. Because suddenly there are a lot of teams playing uh, not really well, though, right? I mean, who, who's in the last 10 games have, has really taken off? I, I can't recall anybody. So uh, Sacramento and Denver are 7-3, and three, and then there's a bunch of 6-4 and four teams like the Clippers, the Warriors, the Suns, the Timberwolves, the Jazz, and the Thunder. So everyone's bundled, you know, everyone's bunched up together. Everyone. Right. Well, usually there's going to be somebody that separates them from the pack. Because I remember years past, there were a lot of these clumpy groupings at some point in the standings in the Western Conference. And there was some separation that grew at the end. So the Pelicans could be one of those teams. But this is all going to come down to B.I. He's got to stay on the court. And Zion's got to come back and stay on the court. Because it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, right, when they're all back together. Because it wasn't perfect when all three of them were together out there, right? B.I. seemed to get the least amount of shots. And Zion wasn't really firing at all compared to the way he was before he got injured. So, But I'm confident in them, right? I just am. Because I've seen enough this season from them and the role players that I just know they're one of the better teams, if not the best, you know, top four teams in the West. Does your optimism shift at all if Zion's slow to come back? Well, I don't expect him back until the All-Star break, so not necessary. That's why I think it's important for this team to, you know, hopefully they bottomed out, and you can go like four and four, something along those lines, before the All-Star break. Uh, but it, but it, if there's any kind of, you know, setbacks, then yeah, I think we have to recalibrate everything. But from what I'm hearing, that there's a good chance, or there's a decent chance that he may play before the All-Star break. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said no way. But the fact that that's, you know, that might be on the horizon. That bodes well, right? Because Zion coming back more quicker than somebody's expectations, that's really never happened before. So that means he's healing up and he's getting pretty close to returning and uh, ramping up his activity. That's going to be the big key. He was voted as a starter for the All-Star game. He's still injured, though, right now. If you're the Pelicans, should you let him play in the All-Star game or should you be proactive and say, you know what? You're not ready to come back. Let's not have your return come back until after the All-Star break. Yeah, it's going to come down to if he can play a couple games before the All-Star break, then I think that would be, you know, a go. And he'd be handled with kids' gloves. But if he can't play in a single game, I, I can't see it happening because that, that would <laughs> that's that's not a good look. That, yeah. <laughs> Kyra Lewis. He's starting to play better. Has he got into the good graces of Willie Green, or is Willie Green still a single white femaleing Devontae Graham? Boy, I hope so, Raymond. Look, I mean, he hasn't <laughs> I'm barely just had saying. any. I'm just saying. Uh, I know, but 
the opportunities he's had very few, right? I can only recall two games where he's got more than 10 minutes and he's been looking pretty darn good in the scant minutes we have seen him. Right. And I'll tell you what, he looks a heck of a lot better than Devonte. I mean, his speed alone is just something that's necessary, right? He can get a shot or make, you know, create a shot for somebody else because he can get around anybody at any time. So if, if either you've got to be a good three-point shooter or you've just got to be able to create, like I said, uh, on a moment's notice. Those are the top two offensive skills, and Kyra's got at least one of those. But I'll tell you what, his shot's looking good too. And I, I liked his activity on the glass in the last game, right? Grabbed six rebounds against the Bucks. So I think he's more than ready to contribute 20 minutes a night. I just hope Willie sees it the same way. Yeah, because he, he sure does seem to me to be a guy that deserves to be on the bench and not playing in Birmingham in the G League. I, I just – I that, that what it is. And I know Willie, because of how he's built, you know, he likes having those vets and Devontae's a, a bit of a vet for him. I get all that. But eventually you got to put in the guys and give more minutes to the guys who can contribute and give your team a spark, especially offensively. I, I just you, – you have to do that eventually. Yeah, you do. I mean, look, Devontae, I, everybody can talk about, you know, his defense, it looks better. He's one of the big chemistry guys in the locker room. Um, but you got to contribute what you're meant to do, right, as your role. And for him, it's definitely spreading the floor with his outside shot. Just hasn't been there at all. Look at his catch and shoot numbers. Everything's gone down for him ever since he's come from uh, over in that trade from Charlotte. And this is by far his worst season in terms of shooting the ball, especially those catch and shoot threes, right? If you can't make those open threes, well, you got to find somebody else that can do it or give you something else offensively. And we're, we're at that time. I mean, Devontae hasn't seemingly made anything since, you know, for me, since like the start of December. It's been a two-month slump for the most part, and it's it's just time. It's, it's, I hope Willie Green isn't waiting for the trade deadline, the front office, because, look, a player is not going to elevate his draft stock or, excuse me, his trade stock by putting in poor poor performance after poor performance. Ollie, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you for it. Enjoy your week and keep being positive, my man. It's contagious. Yeah, thanks. I just I've been telling people that a win is coming right around the corner. I just hope they do win one. Otherwise, I got to turn off my phone until they do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ollie. Yep. Bye, Raymond. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, Clear Springs water is the preferred water of everyone here at the game. It's only locally bottled water, cheaper than anyone in town because of low overhead. And they bottle their own water at a plant in Kentwood, Louisiana. They can do private label single serve bottles with custom labels for any business or event. We're talking wedding, bachelor party. It does not matter. They can take care of you. 
spring single serve bottles delivered to your home or office as well along with five or three gallon returnable bottles with water cooler also carry one gallon bottles in drinking in spring clear springs water it's the preferred water of the game poll question of the day what is the ceiling for this LSU women's basketball team? Final results, 49% of you say national champions. 34% say final four. 10% of you say championship runner-up. 7% say elite eight. Thanks to all who voted and thanks to all who left comments. Steve, salty Steve, says KM is way ahead of schedule. They may have lack of size, but Mama says it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. All the way is the only answer. I love the enthusiasm. B-Rad says Final Four, but ask again after they play Crybaby Staley's team. Uh, that's going to be the huge test, right? South Carolina has already defeated number two ranked Stanford, number seven ranked Maryland, number 15 ranked UCLA. They're going to go play at number five UConn on Sunday. The Gamecocks are going to be tested. If that's a close game, then you can still feel really great about LSU's chance of making a Final Four and making a national championship game. If they go down to Columbia, South Carolina and get stomped, get manhandled, it's going to give you pause. We'll find out a lot more about Kim Mulkey's team a week from Sunday. That'll be Super Bowl Sunday, LSU at South Carolina. Thanks to all who voted and left all their comments. Also, thanks to our guest, Bob Marlin, Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's basketball coach, Jim Gozzolo from the Lake Charles American Press, and Ali Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. For the new producer, and we're still trying to find his nickname, and we'll get you guys to continue to help with that, Dawson Iserlo. I'm Raymond Parch third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then... Be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.